Yeah. yeah. We, we are the epitome of black female love. It's yeah. easy for us as, as black women to, to hold up the banner and the calls for everyone else. But again, who's, who holds up the banner and the calls for us? What role does the church play in all of this stuff? Is that we as a black church are perpetuating the mm -hmm. same behavior as a patriarchal evangelicals have That's been doing. That's right. And guess church, what? But it's the sisters in the congregation. But it's the a lot of times it is the black women who uh, bring us down more, or push or try to silence our voices more in the black church. Hello, ladies. Hello, 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 ladies. Hello, hello. Uh, to our guests that are with us. Come on, come on. Um, log in. Let us know where you're from, where you're listening from. Dr. Bradford, we're going to start to check in with you because y'all decided to, in Texas that y'all wanted to have some Canadian Antarctica kind of air. So what, what's going on in your end? Well, you, you see this? She's starting early. You see this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... it might be coming our way. She better be quiet and let the. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I checked our weather forecast before I said it. Go ahead. Out of the window, I mean, I opened the door and I thought, wait a minute, I am not in Detroit. I'm in Texas. <laughs> I'm not in Detroit. Bless your heart. I'm looking out, it's raining, it's snowing, it's ice everywhere, it's raining, and you can't get out of the driveway, period. Oh, and we have a slant, oh. slanted driveway, so, you know, it's an incline. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm good, thank you. Work, what? No. Mm -mm. We doing that. We stand right here working from the house, for real. Oh, no, wow. I, I oh, wow. When I look oh. out, I have to send pictures, but it was... It was beautiful to see all this whiteness, right? This it was beautiful. <laughs> well, yeah, let me just Are I, you keep, I, I, keep I all that beauty thing. right on over there. Keep all of that beauty over Did there. Did you say keep it here? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> now, wait a minute. When uh when the notice came across my phone about the weather, the first thing I did was pull up DC and I was like, hold up, because it isn't ain't nobody. We had some wait, rain now, today. She still got, she still got Texas um alerts. <laughs> no, 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 no! This was a national alert. Ah. National alert that came. Yes, yes. It, no, national alert that came through. Yes, yeah. Wow. And I was like, "Wait, hold up, hold, on. whoa, let's make sure." But but, but no, break. Bless the Lord. <laughs> Bless the Lord. I'm grateful <laughs> that it was not the other, like you know the, the real storm that we had what a few years ago. Wow. Wow, I'm glad that as well. Let's see, let's see. Uh, Renee Thompson Jones and BTG family, welcome, welcome. Um, I hope you still all snug in there, um, Renee Jones, um, with, with that wonderful weather you all have in Dallas. Hello, Sharon Brown Taylor. Thank you for being here um, with us on uh, today. Patsy Tyson, um, how's the weather for you in the Arkansas area? Is everything well for you? And well, you in Arkansas, that's all right. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's funny. <laughs> Come on, Monticello. You know about Monticello, Patsy? 
Wilman Warren, I know you gotta know. <laughs> uh, Lois Bell, Marjorie Scott, Karen um, uh, Smith from um, Michigan. Come on, come on, let us know where you are oh, listening and listening from. Uh, what part, let's see, what part of Michigan does she say? If she put it in there, let me see. Come on, come see. on, come on. She it's said. in there. Uh, Shelby, Shelby Township. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So, Dr. Wallace, <laughs> how are you? You're Bob Williams. So glad to have you with us today. Oh, and so Patsy Tyson says it's raining cats and dogs. Um, one person responded. I asked the question put on Facebook, how are things in Texas? And somebody said it's colder. Colder than a polar bear's toenails. Oh, Lord. I said, that's cold. <laughs> that's the cold. That's an interesting description. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and all I could think, yeah, that's pretty cold. Uh, Sunrise Day, we'll give it to you. All right, Kansas City Chiefs. All right, all right, all right. We'll give you, you got a right, got a right to brag. So we'll let you, you do, do that. Um, Attorney Robinson, so good to have you with us on always, the evening. Happy yes. birthday. Oh, all right. That birthday court attorney. Go on yes. now. Come on Go now. On. <laughs> all right. So I'm um, Dr. Wallace. Um, how how are you and how, how are things for you? And uh, where are you are you in the mid the southwest? Are you over I'm, I'm in, in on the east coast? And busy as a beaver. And oh, than a there's beaver. another analogy. Hmm. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Just just working hard, but I'm I am wonderfully well, wonderfully sure. well. I had my uh, ACPE peer review yesterday. It went very well. <laughs> And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm on cloud nine about right now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's wonderful. So you said that you're working hard and busy as a beaver, but I need to know, are you working hard as folks say for the man? Or are you working hard for you? Hey, I don't know what man you're talking about, but I am working for God. I don't know. <laughs> I'm working with that rebuttal. Come on here. Let me let you know. <laughs> Ah, yeah, uh, if the man is Jesus Christ, then yeah, I'm working. But if no, 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 that wasn't the man I was talking about. I, I was, I was talking about, 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 about the man, the one that that behind the systems and the structures. You know, the man, the man, the oppressor, the oppressor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that one. That would be right, uh, Chalice. You are right on, right on, right on. Well, and all right, so crazy man trying to run again and be in. in uh, we will uh, not know. We 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 spent time last week on that one. We will know. We will not. All right. So you all, um, this is. I know that um, we have this short video that we wanted to show on to on today um, for discussion. Put your um, while we while we're watching this clip, we kind of just want to hear um, some of your reactions, and we're going to talk just a few, take a few minutes around that, and then. Dr. Wallace is going to introduce our guest.
Wow. Um, I, I guess I, I'll start when I um, um, got the alert that the videos were dropped, turned on the TV to watch. Um, you know, um, when we talked about um, Trayvon Martin and George Floyd, and we did these things, um, but then, that, but here we have five black men. Um, that that did this to another brother without it ever being identified. Why in the world did they stop him in the first place? So, um, um I, I could not watch it in its entirety because what continued to go through my mind as I watched 10, 15 seconds of it um, is, did you not see yourself in this black man? Did you not see, did you not look in the mirror when you were hitting him, beating him, kicking him? My heart sank because when I when I see, yeah, I'm I'm pretty speechless right now, and that that's rare. But when I look at these five black men charging up another black man. 160 pounds, six over six feet, and it's five of y'all, and y'all looking like y'all built and and you're um, bodybuilders. And he's called calling out for his mom. And, 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 two, of, and less than two minutes away from. None of this resonated. No, you're fine, Burns. None of this resonated with you. None of this. I mean, you're slinging him like a rag doll. Mm. So sad. So At sad. what point could you not, I mean, do you not see you? Mm. Mm. See, the thing that, that got me, uh, Dr. Bradford, Dr. Wright, Doc, Dr. Burns, the thing that got me was, would you want that to happen to your brother, your son. Uh, it, it, it just, um, I, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to have to ask our guest about what causes us to dislike ourselves so much mm-hmm. that we have to act like the oppressors. That, 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 that just bothered me so, so much. I'm like you, Dr. Bradford. I couldn't watch it. Sis. Uh, I couldn't watch it. Wallace, that, I mean, it seems as if it's an infiltrated, the mindset, the culture, I don't care what color, what race you are, it seems that's the mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what we're going, no, this, you gotta break that stigma. It's that blue. They didn't think they were black. They thought they were blue. We're going to see what you're going to look like in orange now. 
Ah, what you say? What you and somebody gonna be beating on them because they have they gonna be oh the, I doubt they put I, if they put them in general population they need to get their butts whipped. Well, it's very frightening when you can, I think, in terms of being a mother of a six foot six black male child, mm -hmm. size 17 shoe wearing child. And I say child, he's 44 years old. However, he's a child to me because he's my child. Right. So um, to think of him out there and his mother made the statement that just broke my heart. She said to know that he was out there calling for me and I couldn't hear him. Mm. I mean, this woman is going to live with this the rest of her life. Truly, there was nothing that she had to control over in this, but the fact that it was her child, mm -hmm. he was calling out to her and she didn't hear him. And the other side of that is, what is this adrenaline thing? Mm -hmm. Why is it that when a situation starts, there's not a voice of reason or a, 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 a spirit of reason that says, whoa, slow down, let's rethink this, mm -hmm. or wait a minute, what's happening here? But it becomes an all-in thing, and everybody has to get a piece of the pie to later only regret the fact that they were involved in it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And it's really very tragic. It's really very tragic. They're, they're, we've lost our voice of reason. Hmm. Did you see where they're going to possibly charge the ambulance drivers as well because of their um, their participation by viewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and not acting. Not, I, and, 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 and as I was watching the video as well, you say that with, um, um, with the paramedics is that I was like, okay, well, the police are called for the paramedics. Why is it taking so long? Well, yes, right. <laughs> right. Um, but then when they got there, um, they were in spectator mode. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Say it. Um, oh, well, you know, well, Renee, you know that you may be on to something there. They've done it before and gotten away with it. Yeah. And yeah. Now, now, now you have cameras, and you know, and that's another thing. You didn't even think that there were going to be cameras. You are, you have no, you right. such level where yeah. you're untouchable, right? Right, and then, and 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 even with that, that when some others um started coming up, they started with their story, right? <laughs> yeah, and he grabbed for my gun, and yeah, and so and so, and then we had to do this. We tried to handcuff him, and he was there, and. And the whole thing is on this on this alternative alternative. They had already started with what their defense was going to be. Or could it be that they simply were so small minded and so naive to think that they were going to get it off just like the way that it went down with uh, George Floyd? Look how long it took for them to make an arrest, to bring charges. It, sure. if, if the people hadn't kept shouting, if the people hadn't kept intervening and, and, and making their voice heard, that might have gone off too. And how many others? Right. I don't, I don't know how they think that they would get the same what, what time frame as, the, uh, as people. Well, they did not. They know that they, we are not, we never get the same uh, 
nothing. It's always worse. So in less than 36 hours, hmm. they would charge. But yeah. clearly these before George Floyd's uh, attacker was arrested, I don't know how they thought they were going to be it was gonna be different. I don't. I just don't get it. I really don't. Did you um, Did you see what Karen um, Jay saying? I I don't. I yeah, can't I, or deny that. I've not heard that. But yeah. it says wasn't one of the officers' ex girlfriend in a relationship with Tyree? Huh? Well, I I, I heard that, but I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know if that's a rumor or or if it's truth. And so until right tonight. right. So until we can confirm it, then then we'll yeah. We'll I can't. Back off from that. Can't even speak yeah. to it really. Yeah. All right, Doctor um, uh, Wireless. Our guest yeah. is um, backstage, and um, so yes. Yeah, so if you would introduce our guest and Doctor Wright, um, we know you had surgery on last week. Um, and uh, it is good to see you, um, see you here with us today, oh, sister. We are back. So yes, yeah, the crew is back. The crew is back, and I am so delighted. One of my former students, the wow. Reverend, soon to be Dr. Margaret Conley, is the owner of MLC Consulting LLC and the president of Mending Life Concepts. And it is a um, group that focuses on serving marginalized populations at the intersection of spirituality and emotional wellness. Margaret has produced an evidence-based model, which is a clinically aligned theological model designed for use by clergy, academicians, and, cl and clinicians to lead the conversation around faith-based trauma in individual and community settings. Margaret is the proud graduate of Valdosta State and Clark Atlanta University and the ITC, where she received her BA in sociology, her master's in social work and master's of divinity. Um, she, like I said, she is soon to be Dr. Margaret and I am so proud to know her and to know of her work. She is a awesome, I'm not gonna even say that. She is an awesome internal systems, <laughs> internal family systems therapist, my girl, Margaret Conley. Welcome, Margaret. We're so glad to have you. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. hello. Yeah. yeah, so glad to have you. So Margaret, tell us. How you doing on these COVID streets, girl? <laughs> um, well, considering the fact that today they just announced they're going to uh, announce that it's no longer an emergency, I don't know because people are still getting it. But I guess it's like any uh, pandemic that becomes a downgrade. So I don't, you know, <laughs> still still out doing crisis work um, in the midst of it. But it, I think uh, I think my focus has shifted because COVID made us so crazy, and y'all were talking about it, and I was screaming in the back um, because we we are having issues around power, power dynamics, and not a not not in a space of emotional wellness, a healthy emotional wellness, because we haven't been able to manage that. Mm -hmm. So you think COVID might have they're they're being locked up or 
not being able to cope with COVID is what might have created this craziness for these black officers? Um, I don't want to say it was COVID, but I, but as we see the trend, I mean, normally COVID exposed so much that this this had to be exposed as well. It required um, for things to happen and change in corrections and law enforcement and safety. Um, with that being my background as a forensic social worker, I can honestly say, you know, as it was mentioned, this would not have been something five years ago we wouldn't have caught it um, because it wouldn't have been a requirement. Um, as you notice, if you've read the details about two particular officers, this is not the first time um, that they have had, uh, they've, they've had excessive force. Uh, it is on their record. And they went from a correctional setting to a public safety setting, which is very dangerous. But that's what I mean by it wouldn't have been caught. So um, for me, this even this topic, is no longer black or white. Um, in the words of Dr. Earl Fisher, this is systemic. This now is speaking to um, an abuse of power and a lack of ethic, which all stems from systemic issues around oppression um, and, in my opinion, white supremacy culture. We're bathed in it. Mm, 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 mm. This uh, healthy and holy girl, talk to us about what is healthy and holy. I know you've done some webinars and uh, talk to us about what healthy and holy is all about. So healthy and holy um, is my brainchild is coming to life, uh, but it, it focuses on the intersection of spirituality and emotional wellness for the black faith community because this is something that we run from. Like we can either be for God um, and pray away our issues or we go seek help. Uh, we then demonize and pathologize, like something wrong with you, but it really is something wrong with us. Like something is going on. So we really do need professional help. But how do you reach um, the black community? How do you reach out to us in that way? And so we look at it from a three point stance of looking at how we sit in trauma induced spaces in our faith community which is where we're bathed in white supremacy culture. Um, we're bathed in hierarchy. We're bathed in a space where it has to be the written word only, um, where you cannot have a tough conversation. You cannot speak um, silencing of individuals because of gender orientation, um, even down to colorism, things like that. You look at it, how has that affected us in our faith communities? And then we look at it from a trauma enhancing space. Why do we continue in this space? What is it that is necessary to keep that level of trauma repeating itself and leaving us in a, a stressful space, even down to post-stress um, around our faith communities? And then the conversation moves to a trauma-informed space, which is where the intersection happens, where we can see this did happen. All of this happened to us, but how do we move into places of healing and emotional wellness? And, and uh, uh, Dr. Margaret, we need Jesus and therapy. Yes. We, we, that, we got to have, have both. So um, how, how do you help us encourage our listening audience to that, that it's not shameful? There is no shame in getting professional help. 
if God created the world, God created this methodology to help folks handle their traumas. So how, how do we, how we, would you encourage our audience around uh, being healthy? I, I encourage people. I encourage people love Paul. Paul is not, you know, seminary messed me up around Paul. Um, so not the biggest fan of him in some of the some of the writings. But in this particular space, I am. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. We love to quote 20 and 21. We get excited about um, that we can do exceedingly above anything that we can ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. But we don't we don't ever start at verse 14, um, which invites us to understand the riches of glory. So I invite those who um it Christianity is your faith tradition and those who just see the Bible as a part of the way that they walk, mm -hmm. um, even the wisdom of just this text, um, rich, realizing the riches of glory are, are God's, God's impartation um, mm -hmm. to the earth for us is to take care of the inner man. And in that care of the inner man, it reconnects us back to power source to those who are believers, reconnects us back to this belief of Jesus dying for us, caring for us, and then empowering us in the Great Commission. And then it lands with deepening our roots into God. And so um, it, it moves us deeper into our beliefs. It moves us deeper into healthy emotional spaces. And then we can go and understand the power that work is in us. And mm -hmm. so the encouragement is how do you do that? We find throughout the text um, that people went to in the text, they went to wise counsel. It even encourages you in Proverbs to go to wise counsel. That does not mean your pastor. That, that, that may not be what that is. Um, who, who, who is going to help you when you're having breakdown, when you're in crisis? Who's yeah. going to show up? So find a professional that has studied the psyche. So look for those who um, have set in clinical pastoral education. Look for those who have set and uh, psychology classes and look for those who have sit um, in community counseling classes and understand what it looks like to work with our brain mm -hmm. and what we digest and what we take in and understand that vulnerability isn't a dirty word, but being able to say what's going on starts your healing process. Mm -hmm. And that is a part of that reception of riches of glory to heal the inner man. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. We, 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 it is that inner inner person that is deep in our heart, our mind, our soul, and our brain. We need all of that, and we need all of it healthy for the people that are um, in in our world. We we've experienced some trauma, and we carry that trauma with us, um, and it's a part of our DNA. So all yes. of us need all of us need therapy even those who think they are healthy uh, you my girl so how <laughs> folk, folk have to and, and i love your process of that uh internal family systems talk to us a little bit about what that is so internal family systems the uh, founder of the method dr richard swartz i want to make sure i get credit um, so just in case he click on it and watch it. Yeah, I got Dr. Swords watching. But he, he discovered one day, he came back to realize multiplicity um, is a part of our human experience. And so we have learned, those of you who studied, that we literally go to this, we are one and the body is one. And we go to this, um, this space of individualism. And in that, 
we also have to come back to this united front and body. So you can't have multiple personalities. That's what we'll say. Like you can't have all of that thought. Well, in the discovery of that, we actually do have ego and we have sub ego. And so uh, the Bible tell you that we have sub ego. We are many members. That's mm. the ego. Uh, <laughs> and so you have, you have different pieces of your personality and for African-Americans or for black people, definitely W.B. Du Bois invited us to understand we live in a double consciousness. I believe we live in more than that. But that double consciousness is I got to be black and white at the same time and learn how to survive through it. In that, that is called your internal family. And so how do I work through parts that are, that are activated to protect me? What that means is all the wounds that we have, that's covering them. I can't let my angry side show. I can't let this wound show. I can't let... Um, what happened to me in my past show, the the uh, sexually abused child show. I can't let um, the physically abused child show. I can't let the neglected child show. Um, I can't let this inner child that has all this pain show um, or even a wounded adult. I cannot do that. So then I have protectors, whether they're managing my life, um, whether they're overworking so I don't have to deal with it or um, whether they're, they're putting out fires for me. So everything is laughing. Everything is, you might be drinking. You might be doing whatever you're doing to take care of it. I, but it's gonna hide. It's gonna hide the wound for my black folks. It's gonna hide the mess that we don't want anybody to see. The method allows us to work past those protectors and honor the work that they're doing. Honor how they've shown up and how they do keep us front and center, or how they cause us to dissociate so we don't have to feel the pain. A lot of you in that clip probably dissociated, like, I can't do this tonight. And as soon as you heard a voice come back on, you came back to the program. That is something that's protecting you in your psyche. And what happens is once we build relationship, well, our, our self-depart relationship, or once we take our characteristics that we walk in, the characteristics of spirit, if that's what you want to feel, we walk in the totality of who we are and it meets those parts, we then have enough energy or enough strength to see those wounded spaces and build relationship with that too. Because there are no bad parts of you. These parts have shown up to take care of you. And so very brilliant method. Um, the primary method I use in practice and a part of the healthy holy conversation in that breakdown of moving from a trauma-induced space to a trauma-informed space and embracing the pain that our faith communities deal with. Uh, you walk, you're walking heavy here. And it's opening doors for those who have had past past trauma are still dealing with it or still have covered it and they're they can't walk through it because they're still dealing with it but they're hiding from it and they're hiding in it right um i want there are a few questions here in wow that that was deep uh rev and uh yeah that was pretty deep vulnerability in our society is not what we share or even show. We always want to be strong, even for black women. Yeah. We have to remain strong. Um, of course, come on now, we got to show some some lightness or whatever, but let me get to these questions that you're walking heavy here and I'm, I'm appreciating it myself. Um, thank you. Um, Esquire, I'm just going to say Esquire, attorney Natasha Roberts. <laughs> Uh, how do you handle when your faith leaders theology is toxic 
and causes trauma. That's a good one. Yes, a good one. Here's that trauma-induced theology, which we obey then. Like, this is what we know, and this is to no offense. But, I mean, go back and read Richard Allen's story. Like, he broke away and then took the same system with him to create a, a beautiful entity. I mean, it's beautiful. Like, the AME Church is amazing. Like, it has survived centuries, right? So, I mean, it's not a, <laughs> it's not that it was, not, not that it's a bad system because we stick with it. You know, look at all of the splits. But is that um, a good thing? Yeah, I don't I, It's beautiful because we, we have a collective power, but I don't know if it's ugly because we don't know how to use it. But that's another topic for another day. Uh, <laughs> um, but we have it. And and so when you have someone who's toxic, one, what, what, can you heal under toxicity? The answer is no. And so it might be that if that person cannot see or they don't want to, because in some of these cases, especially around our pastors, we are asking them if they face the toxicity of their theology, we are asking them to lose the understanding of how they hold power. Because they don't realize their power dynamics. Like you, you can have a healthy power dynamic and still be a leader mm. and diffuse or dismantle or disconnect from the toxicity. But if they can't, because that's how they understand their power dynamic to sit, they, they operate in role um, versus operating in that birthright of their power, just their humanity, then you know, I would advise someone to find a space where they can heal and be safe. It does not mean you hate your pastor. It does not mean that you church hopping. It does mean that I'm going to find a space healthy for me so that I don't have to sit in and take on and be fed toxicity. Uh, someone is doing this <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> I'm snapping for you. This is incredible and much needed. And we, we, we're going to have to have a part two. But there's another question in the chat. How do we get our men to get therapy from um, Ladelphia Boyd? So, you know, I, I, men come to me. I, I'm going to laugh about it. They find me. I'm like, why do y'all come and see me? Um, but the encouragement for men, when men go, they actually realize that the therapist, male or female if they, if they if they honor their ethic um are very neutral and so it, you know the invite for men to go to therapy um is really softening the approach of asking you know don't don't invite a man to go get help you need help too <laughs> so we all do we, we all go are sitting in this pain and so you know with that wh what is it that you you're inviting them to go for is normally what happens with me. Like, are you inviting them because I got into a fight? Or are you inviting them because you see them low? What is that? And then offer um, for men to go to therapy, offer that you that you hold space with them. I've seen men come with their spouses or come with their significant others. And then once they got to the door, they realized just you walking with me was all that I needed. I think I can do this by myself. Um, I've, you know, and, and they and they come in and we have a great session. So, you know, just just the invite, because you want to make sure that you're just honoring them and their humanity, not because y'all going at it or not because you see them overeating or drinking or doing risky things. But I just see you in your humanity and would it be helpful to sit with a neutral party? Mm -hmm. um, and that, I found that to help men get to. Um, and then also someone that looks like them 
someone that looks like them. And what I mean by that doesn't necessarily have to be a man. Like a lot of men actually like coming to women because they want to work through all of these parental issues. I mean, they got mommy or daddy issues. It's just, I was forced into situations way before I needed to. And how can we sit here and work through the hunger of needing parenting? You know, so what does that look like to sit with a black person, um, male or female, so that they can get what they need around their inner work and their inner pain they've been carrying? Dr. Margaret, I would also offer, uh, uh, have you talk about, you know, before you want to send somebody else to therapy, mm-hmm. go get therapy yourself because absolutely. it could absolutely be the answer. Absolutely. Oh, you aren't afraid to get therapy, so maybe I right. can go too. Right. So, so Dr. Kahn, I mean, um, before you answer that, there's a follow-up question to what you just said, and then we want you to come back mm-hmm. to answering um, Dr. Wallace's question. Okay. Um, Is it best for men to go to get a male therapist? I think you kind of alluded to that, but... Yeah. So I, to- I have found, and I'm from the Southeast, so I have found that men, as long as they can find someone to hear them, and I mean it just like that, um, a lot of men, uh, they, they will go to men, um, and that might be a great way for them to start, uh, you know, but, but not to perpetuate the cycle of the toxic masculinity. Uh, so a lot of guys that come to me are like, I went to a guy, but it was this hardcore, I got to be here, versus addressing the need. So um, again, you know, go to somebody that looks like you, and from, in the case of men, what is the need? Like, what are they trying to address? And so if it is a male and it's male issues, going to a black man may work. But if it's something from childhood, something that's stemming from even relationship, let them let that man tell you what they need. Like, let them decide. Don't pick it for them. Uh, I have had people do that. But like, I'm calling for my brother. And I'm like, can your brother call me? Um, because they do ultimately have to decide that they want to walk through that door. Dr. Wallace, circle back to to what you were saying on that next step. Yeah, I, I was just asking. Um, it's off. It's wonderful to want somebody else to go, and you want to help them to go. But I think since we all need help, we are all hurting. We all carry trauma from slavery. If you are from uh, these United States and you constantly being beat down um, in corporate America, you can't be who you really are. Uh, it, it can, we all need therapy. So rather than trying to send somebody else, try to get something for yourself first. And then maybe they might see, oh, there's a difference. You, you're, Whether you know it or not, if you go to therapy, your husband is in therapy, too, because they're going to reap some of the benefits of your being in therapy. So talk talk Mm -hmm. about that, Dr. Margaret. Well, I I tell people, once you start to heal, your environment begins to heal. Now, let me define that part. That does not mean everybody will stay with you once you start to heal. Your environment will start to heal. And those who are willing to walk with you through this healing journey they will begin to see you in healing and those who cannot take it because some people actually, they do like you broken. It was a space that they could, they could use your brokenness 
again, an abuse of power, right? So, you know, that, that you, you will lose those individuals or those spaces. They will no longer be comforting because I'm walking in my healing. And that's, again, a part of that internal family healing. I'm beginning to see with clarity and compassion and courage how to move and go. Um, I'm curious about how did I get where I was and moving into my healing. And so, again, once you start to heal, the space around you will begin to heal because it'll flow out. Um, you know, and a lot of people are like, where's the text around that? We look at Job and we like to say Job was patient. I do not find that in the text ever. Like, I've never read that. So I was confused as a kid and then, you know, confirmed um, with Randall Bailey. Dr. Randall Bailey, like, no, that's not there. But what we did find is that once the curve started to turn, because, you know, Job even pushed away his wife. Um, you know, Job pushed away his friends and people are like, oh, it was the friend's fault. It was the wife's fault. But Job was in pain. He was hurting. And we see a curve for Job when he realized, you know, even something with roots still has the ability to grow. Um, and once that happened, we find at the end of Job that he still grieved. It didn't say that he did not grieve what he lost. Because we, in Black community, we tell people he got double for his trouble. He did not. He, he lost everything. He, he never got, he never reclaimed anything because it died. Um, on the other hand, he was able to find in vulnerability a space to grieve confront his friends, if you read the last chapter of Job, and then recognize my relationship is not for me to pray for others, uh, but my relationship is for me to pray and build a relationship with God myself. And then that relationship is a relationship that will, others will see and connect to. And so that is why it's important to take care of your inner man. Um, that, that, that's, that's the word on top of that, what I was saying, you know, like you because you will see spaces begin to heal as you move and go. And sometimes that requires that we 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 get angry with God because that's what Job did. And that's when he actually found his healing. Uh, God yeah. can handle it. So don't think that God doesn't already know, yes, but God is waiting for you to recognize that you're angry yes. and that you need yes. to confront. So... Yes. Uh, we, we, we don't, this, that, that's a, a myth. Don't get angry with God. Don't, uh, not, not true, not true, not true. I, I, that, but, you know, I mean, even dealing with anger now, um, like what, what has happened in the last month has stirred up inside of us. Grief, grief is inclusive of anger. It is inclusive of dissociation. It is inclusive of depressed state and anxiety. Like, I don't know what to do here. Um, it is inclusive of bargaining. Um, yeah. Even through all of the acceptance of what we saw in relief, it still includes all of that emotion because emotions are natural in humanity. We serve an emotional God. I hate that we tell people, you know, get out your body and get out your emotions and worship God. I don't know how to do that because God is emotional. God gets angry, God loves, God, <laughs> I mean, God, God yeah, so you're, we're made in the image of God, so no, I'm going to serve you with the totality of who I am, and we, we have to live in that, too, so we have to recognize that there's this beginning of vulnerability once you can say out loud, I'm, I'm mad, like, I can't believe this is happening, are you kidding me? Opening that up begins to open up the space that starts the healing journey. And the healing journey is not easy at first. I mean, when you when when a scab is being formed, it itches. 
you want to pick it. It's annoying. So when the healing journey starts, it is not blissful on day one. It might be a level of hell for you, like the garden was for Jesus. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to I want to deal with this this comment and I want you to kind of speak speak to it. Many people from Sherry Brown Jackson, many people cannot bring themselves to be angry with God. So they take it out on the people around them. Yes. Ooh. Absolutely. Because we we've learned that we can't be angry with God. But where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Where did that come from? And, and what notion that we learn about God and who said that. Historically, that, that came from a space of enslavement. You can't be angry with God because if you're angry with God, then you'll get angry about the fact that we're, we're interrupting your humanity and making you animals. So you can't be angry with God because the Bible says that you're supposed to serve your slave master with well intention. Be angry not. So, so, so now I need to put my anger toward, and that might be fellow man. They might be, I put my anger into work. They might be, I put my anger into my children. They might be, but I can't put it towards God because then that goes against what God has instructed. And we've carried that for centuries in our psyche and now it's in our body. And anger is showing up in our health. It's, sh it's showing up in heart disease. It's showing up in high blood pressure. It's showing up in migraine headaches. It's showing up and, and joint pain is showing up because we're not diffusing this anger outside of us saying, I'm really, I'm, I'm actually angry with God because I don't know how I got here. Mm -hmm. And anger helps you. Yeah. Anger gives you direction. It isn't bad. Anger, right. anger literally says, how do we now have to have this conversation? And anger tells you what you want. And uh, just a, a, a brief testimony I was angry at God because my mother died when I was 10. I was angry. And for so long, I didn't even know I was angry. And I took it out on other people. So when we recognize, okay, I can say I'm angry with you, God. You took my mother. You were the one. So then God allowed my healing to take place because I was, able, I was open enough to then recognize this, something terrible happened. I lived through some trauma. So now I'm in a place when we recognize that we're really ripe for healing at that point. Mm -hmm. Yes. Dr. Wright has something to share. Well, I was going to ask her to deal with the points of grief. Um, Spin said that there's seven, Spin said that there's five. But um, grief, we each respond to grief differently. And I think part of the struggle that we have with our, our, our loved ones or even the people that we're in contact with is that we want to define that grief for them. We want to tell them how to grieve. And, uh, you know, there's complicated grief, uh, which opens a whole nother door. Um, and so I just wanted to, to kind of elaborate on the grief, stages of grief for us. So, you know, I uh, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, grief is so heavy now that um, the American Psychological Association had to update um, the diagnostic manual that we use as therapists 
Uh, and so because they had to add it as a diagnosis and what people could come to therapy for. And because of that, we now see what these stages look like. We now see how how heavy this is because it is now something that that is pathologized our grief. Um, and so this complicated grief you speak of, um, it, it is, it's like six to seven stages, depending on what you use or five to seven stages. Um, but the, the grief cycle that I go, that I use it, from Keebler-Ross um, and uh, David Kessler, that they speak to how do we get to a particular stage where we return to a meaningful life or we find meaning. And so, you know, we sit in shock and denial, which sometimes is separated. Um, and then we become angry. That's why I say anger is healthy. It's not bad. It is healthy to find that anger because in the frustration, we see the anxiety, um, the shame. What could I have done to save this life? What could I have done to save my job? What could I have done to save my marriage? What could I have done to keep my animal alive? You know, whatever that may be, we sit there in that. And the anger, anger isn't a blow up and punching a wall. Anger is I'm frustrated because I don't know what to do with this space. Um, and then we move into a space where we detach or we may have what's called a non-clinical dissociative moment. Like, I just don't want to deal with it, which may send us to a low state or a depressed state um, because it's overwhelming when you lose, especially when we look at sudden loss. Um, someone spoke to the mother saying, you know, he, he was just he was just a moment away from me crying out for me. And so we watched her even in the news we watched her leave that newscast. Like her eyes left for a minute, like 30 seconds, she was gone. And she came back in to finish it out, but she had to detach from it because I'm now thinking back to anger and shock and denial. Um, and then we have a space of, we, we start to dialogue about this grief or we start to bargain. I wonder if in the mother's case, we heard her, we heard her bargain. I wonder if I could have heard him. I wonder if I could have heard him, I could have saved him. And so we sit there and we move into a testing, like we start to test the question is what I call it. Like, what does that look like? And if I had got there in time, so where we accept it, but it doesn't mean those other emotions aren't still there in the acceptance, but it does push us into now, how do I find meaning without the presence of what I had there? This gives you permission to grieve. Uh, Another text about grief is we watch Joseph lose it going to see his father's grave. That's in the text. He's walking, he's losing it. He has an entire group of people around the second in command of Egypt. But at this moment, he turns into this little boy. He missed years with his father and now he's dead. And in that, we watch all of those emotions happen. Even though we know he's going to a grave, he had to accept that as he moved forward to go mourn his father. And so here's his permission slip to give you a space to grieve and how do I find meaning knowing that there's going to be a drought coming? Because I've already talked about it for the rest of my family. That takes time. We read it fast and preach it, but that actually is going to take you some time. It ain't going to be a 30-day situation. It ain't going to be a three-day release that they give you at work. But it's going to take time to find that meaning, and it's going to get lighter as it progresses. It isn't easy to lose anything because you still have the memory of it but it can get lighter and those memories go from bad, ill, watching that to 
the lightning of it is I still remember this fear, that ancestral space that we hold, mm. that spiritual space that we deal with around what did they leave me with? They left me with joy. They left me with peace. They left me with this gift to bake. They left me with, with something that may be tangible for you. But that is how we move through our grief and honor it. Well, Conley, um, I want to thank you. We only have now about five minutes left um, with our broadcast, but we have a series of questions um, or, <laughs> um, or answers that our, our audience has. So, um, Dr. Bradford, if, if you would, please. Um, let me, does a person ever stop grieving? Give us the cliff notes. Go, go ahead. I say no. Real quick. Does, does a person... <laughs> ever stop okay. grieving does um when do you get to ex acceptance in the steps of grieving um what is healing what does healing look like i mean there are a lot of questions there so just kind of give us the cliff notes of all of those so i i said i don't believe that you stop grieving i believe grief transforms into finding meaning but it's still that emptiness that might still show up so it's not as heavy um I also believe that some you might be able to accept it immediately, but that doesn't mean you don't go through because stages of grief are fluid. Um, they're not linear. It isn't today I'm mad, today I'm happy. No, that you might literally be in acceptance of. My grandmother died 12 years ago. I know where her body lays in its days, like June 29th is her birthday. I get immediately sad and detached. Mm -hmm. My family knows it because normally I would celebrate that by going to get her and doing something. That was 12 years ago. I, but it, it saddens me, but it doesn't mean I haven't accepted that she's gone. But have I found meaning without her physical presence? And so I might go eat breakfast and honor her. Mm -hmm. I might put, I might even say, can y'all set a second place? I'm not ashamed of that if I go out. And, I'll, I, and I sit with my grandmother in her spirit. And I had breakfast with my grandma. I mean, but that is something I've learned how to do. So, you know, this is how you move through that and give yourself permission to grieve. African-Americans, it's a high percentage. They don't start grieving. They think they are. They don't start. They will find anything besides sitting down and just accepting that they have to grieve, which is a part of the process of acceptance and grief. Can grief be healthy? Yes, grief is healthy. Now, can it be? You, you need to grieve. Barbara Jackson. So that you can move. Very good question. Yeah. Oof. This, this, this is, there are so many others, but this is what was needed in this season. Um, so Margaret, when are you having your next uh, webinar and summit? So the next Healthy Holy Conversation will be February the 9th at 7 p.m. They're all um, virtual uh, so I will be sitting um, uh, with two brilliant minds, um, Philip Butler and uh, Amber Lowe. Uh, I know she married, but that's how I went to school. <laughs> uh, Woodsburg, I think it's her last name now. Um, and we'll be talking about Afrofuturism, emotional wellness, uh, and how, that, how they both are affecting Black faith communities at this time. And uh, the next Healthy Holy Summit, I can't believe I'm having a second one, y'all. I'm very excited about that. It will be September the 21st to the 23rd. It will be virtual. And so information will be going up about that in March once we solidify our speakers um, and those who will be presenting. Um, I know some people who are presenting that are all here tonight. So y'all get to hear those voices. Um, but, the, but the summit itself is a beautiful experience where you get to just come and be 
it being healthy and holy conversations with the presenters um, and with others around topics that affect our emotional wellness in the Black faith community. Is there, is there anything we can add in our chat to um, of how people can register for that? Oh, well, it will registration will be up in March and the website is www.healthyholyconversations.org. I think I can put that, uh, no, I can't type in the chat. Is it conversation with an N or an S? Conversation, conversation, and I can do this right quick. And the private, Say daughter. you can copy and paste it over there. Mm -hmm. Thank you so very much um, for being with I'm backstage for us. Part two is coming. Do not leave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ooh wee, ooh wee! You're muted, Burns. You're mute. That, that was needed um, at at a time like this. Um, mm -hmm. That was so absolutely wonderful. On next week, um, both Dr. Wallace and I have a guest. They're going and they're going to do a joint um, conversation with us because it is the Tuesday before Valentine's Day. We will not be broadcasting Hallelujah. on Valentine's Day. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, but, so the Tuesday before Valentine's Day, Dr. Daryl Jones and Dr. Marguerite Bonnet will be here to talk about sex and black love. No, no. Hey. All right. <laughs> so uh, make sure that you um, tune sure. in with us uh, next week. Um, we thank you all um, for being with us on tonight. Um, Dr. Bradford, all of you and those in North Texas, y'all stay bundled up and stay warm. And the Lord says the same. We'll see everyone next week. Same time, same place. Until then. <laughs> mm -hmm.